One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 36. This episode airs in mid-December, a time of year when a lot of us are starting to think about the year we're about to wrap up and put some thought into what we want in the year to come. If one of your intentions, like me, is to be more personal in business in 2021, this episode is just for you. A social scientist by training, Micah Larson is a Montana-based marketing expert. She teaches women makers and business owners what to say in their marketing to make sales without feeling like they're selling so they can make a more steady income while staying true to themselves. Micah is a woman after my own heart. Her work centers around empowering women to succeed and live life on their own terms. Yes, yes, yes. Micah's philosophy around the power of being vulnerable and being yourself is one I knew I wanted my audience to hear, and this episode is already one of my favorites. We discuss Micah's background and what brought her to do the work she does now, why it's powerful to put yourself and your lived experiences into your marketing, why it's important to look at our analytics to understand what our audience wants, how you can use storytelling in your business, and she shares a specific exercise for identifying the stories that will resonate most, the concept of concreteness and why getting specific in your messaging is vital, what's working now in marketing, how to go from no customers to engaged audience, and her take on the triple bottom line. I am not going to hold this episode back from you any longer. Here's our conversation. Okay, Micah, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you for asking me, Lauren. I am super excited. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about the marketing power of being yourself, which I'm kind of giddy about because I feel like it's a marriage of two of my favorite things, Um, being yourself authentically and marketing. So um, I love this topic and I cannot wait to get into it. But before we do... Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and your business and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I am foremost a mom. I have a one-year-old named Wilder and five days a week, I'm his full-time caretaker, which is the best job in a lot of ways. And then right now I'm also a marketing professor at the University of Montana and the other passion besides Wilder in my life is working with women business owners to teach them exactly what to say. So they get booked out and sold out. And there are a lot of reasons I do this, but I get so much satisfaction out of helping women feel like they can be um, self-reliant. And at the same time, 
do the things that they love. Like I love working with women makers who actually make a craft or a product. Mm -hmm. Fun. Well, lots of our listeners are makers, so I'm sure they will get a ton out of this. Um, how did you get there? Like, have you always worked in marketing? What's your, what's your path? How did you find yourself in Montana? Um, with a five-year-old and or a five-year-old, a two-year-old? Yeah, he's two-year-old. Two. Yeah. With, a two, with an almost two-year-old and um, working at University of Montana. So just a roundabout way, um, I studied social science and that's why I went to graduate school to study communication and social influence. So I'm foremost a nerd um, <laughs> and really data-driven. I did experiments on what are the best things to say in PSAs or conversations or in a doctor's office to get people to do healthy things like donate their organs or wear a seatbelt. And it's a really niche area of research, but I was a little bit disenchanted with academia where I was in the South. And luckily I happened to meet a tattooed motorcycle riding medical student there when I was kind of a, a crossroads in my life and I was applying for a job in the federal government. I was working in politics as a, uh, in the Texas house of representatives. And this medical student said, Hey, I'm moving to Wyoming. Do you want to come? And I was like, Hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> made that big life decision and moved to the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And, um, so I started a business and entrepreneurship is kind of in my blood. And I kind of struck out on my own, um, using what I had learned from social science and politics to do consulting with political groups and small business owners. But, um, when I kind of had a tumultuous road to motherhood and at the end of my pregnancy, I spent almost two months in the hospital. Um, my, my son was born really early and was in the NICU. And throughout that process, I just had a lot of time to meditate on women centric issues and kind of how that relates to the choices we make in our lives and, um, our purpose. And that led me to want to work really exclusively with women business owners. And it really drives my why. Mm. Love. I love that. Um, let's jump. Like I've already heard you in this conversation doing a little bit of this, like infusing your personality and your life and like the details, like painting a picture of, of your story. And it's just such a perfect illustration of how powerful it is. Can you talk more about like, let's just start this conversation with why is it so powerful to put your real self, your personality into your marketing? That's a good question. And there are multiple reasons, but since that is the, this is the focus of this podcast, how can we do good in the world? So I am assuming most of your listeners are focused on that kind of purpose in order to do good in the world. We have to have an engaged audience who help us get there, whether that's donating money or volunteering or, you know, changing the way we live our lives. And in order to have an engaged audience, you have to create trust and liking and a bond with those people. And living in the world where we have Zoom and Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, it's easy to find your people who help you do good and amplify the impact you can make on the world, but you have to show them who you are. And um, when I was fresh out of graduate school and kind of had torn up my PhD applications and didn't know who I was exactly and started making my own brand, I was afraid to show who I was as a person. And I kind of hid behind 
um, like the science of social science, but that did not resonate with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I personally and professionally have gone through this transformation of going from that to being really vulnerable in the stories that I share, not only because, um, that helps me find my audience and the people that I can work with best, but it helps validate, um, experiences that we as women have lived through that are often taboo. And that is a lot of times more powerful than anything else that I can do by being, um, connecting and talking about the things that are usually kept secretive. Um, like women centric issues is kind of where I live and what I write Mm -hmm. about. Um, so when you infuse your personality and your experiences in your marketing, you find your perfect clients, but you also build a long-term relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love getting your emails because they're, it's, it's not like getting a marketing email, even though there usually is some, um, a mention of a product or of your how to hustle program, which is amazing Thank you. or, um, something else you're doing a workshop or something. Um, but usually the focus of it is just like a personal story. It's almost like reading a column and I don't know, a good mag, not a magazine, like a good publication. Like it's just, it's, it's so, um, it just captures your attention so much. So thank you. Um, yeah. And that's because, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> no, you go ahead. That's because, um, I do what we often forget to do as business owners. Like we're just always forging ahead and we're kind of like so wrapped up in what we're doing. We forget to check back in and see what is it that our audience actually likes. Like it's always really enlightening to go back on your insights on Instagram to see what are the most engaged posts that I've ever published. And I look at the analytics on my website and that tells me obviously like, what are people's eyeballs going to? And that way you're giving people more of what they want, but they're also telling you, this is what's important to me. And so I used to just like send out emails that were how to do a marketing thing for your women owned business. Mm -hmm. But then I, when I gave myself permission to look at the insights, I was seeing vastly more people click on my blog when I tell like really vulnerable stories about um, issues that a lot of women have been through, like um, sexual harassment, discrimination, um, infertility, motherhood. And um, so I made that the focus of my, mm-hmm. my um, communication with my audience. Do you think that's going to be true for everyone? Like, so you look at your insights and what people are most attracted to are the more personal, vulnerable, like human experience type of pieces of content. Do you think that is your audience specifically that reacts that way? Or is that kind of universally true? I think it's especially true for my audience because I speak to women who are in their thirties and forties and they're, um, we're kind of in this gap between generations where we were expected to do things in a traditional conventional way and younger women like Gen Z, not younger than us. They're like, um, a resurgence of a new expectation of women. So speaking to like Gen X and millennial women, they are looking for someone who will tell their story. And Mm -hmm. so 
but women, I mean, humans are just like kind of voyeuristic and we're curious. And since the beginning of humankind, we've connected through storytelling. So brand storytelling is important for everyone. Um, it would be kind of interesting to see someone whose audience was really different from mine, what they reacted to most, but in general, storytelling is super important because it's this overlap between the personal and the professional. And a lot of times as business owners, we think that this Venn diagram of those two things, they should be separate, but really there should be a ton of overlap. Um, Mm -hmm. because in order to get like, people will always trust a person a lot more than a brand. And that's why we should hide behind our logo and our company name. Like we should be a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of stories, the idea of storytelling is like kind of in vogue in, in, in marketing right now. Maybe it always is, but I think it can be a little bit abstract. Like, okay, tell stories. Like what stories do I tell? Um, where do I tell them? Like, how do I tell the story? Do you have any just broad tips or strategies for people who, who are sold on the power of stories, but maybe don't really know where to start? Yeah, there are a couple different ways. First, I in How to Hustle, my program for women business owners, I and you've gone through it, you know, I challenge mm-hmm. in the first couple of weeks to first really understand yourself as a brand and also to understand your target market. So we can see where's the overlap between what we care about and what they care about. And so first, kind of making an actual timeline of your adult life and seeing what are the real really high highs and low lows, because those are the memorable parts where we learn and change as human beings. Um, And they're often the stories most worth telling and Mm -hmm. understanding what of those themes our target market really cares about at the intersection of those two things is a really great story. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, my journey to becoming a mom, I never thought I was going to have kids. and I experienced like a lot of different facets of fertility and infertility. I didn't think I was going to have my own biological children. So I was an anonymous egg donor like 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. um, so I have a son who lives in Texas. And during that process, I nearly became infertile myself. And wow. um, that's when I actually met my husband. He went to my first ultrasound with me as my friend. And then... um I didn't know that looking at that ultrasound with him and finding out I'd be able to have kids, I would actually be eight years later holding his hand in the same setup in the same room, looking at the ultrasound screen, finding out we were pregnant with our own child. And that was like after having a miscarriage and, um, my son, like, I can't have any more children because I had complications with my own pregnancy and like seeing him in the NICU and what it's like to be um, a working mom and a primary caretaker of a child. These are all things that I've experienced that have changed me as a person and have been extraordinarily meaningful. But they're also things that so many women who are in my audience and target market have experienced that are deeply personal as well. And so um, I think Brene Brown says it best. She says like, there's this mythology that talking about the challenges in our lives gives them power, but it really gives us more power because when we turn it into a narrative, um, we control it and we can share it. And that's one form of doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally is. I have always found like when I stumble upon someone um, on Instagram, I remember in the very early days, I've talked about this on the podcast, but 
Um, the first time I found another gay calligrapher, I was like really blown away and really excited. And I couldn't really figure out why. But then I realized that I, so I started in calligraphy and I was doing all this calligraphy, following all these calligraphers. And they were mostly like writing about straight weddings. A lot of them were like lettering Bible verses. So that makes not that I think there's anything wrong with having a religious belief, but like, you know, makes me wonder where you stand on like supporting my life. Totally. Um, so I remember the first time I ever came across a gay calligrapher, I was like, I was so excited and it, <laughs> it just meant a lot to me for a weird reason. And she probably didn't think much of it, but it actually like, it was a very memorable moment. Like it just like, made me feel like, okay, there is a place for me here. You know, it's not just all, um, straight weddings and whatever. Like there is, there are some people like me in this world. So I think it's, it is such a powerful way of doing good to just to share some of the hard things. Like I'm definitely not encouraging anyone to share something that's too raw or fresh and unprocessed, but, um, you know, if there are things that you're comfortable sharing that might make someone feel a little bit less alone, like, I think it's easy to underestimate the impact that can have. I love that example. And you're so right. When we see our own unique experiences, like reflected in someone else, that's really, really powerful, especially right now in a time where like we're physically separated during this pandemic, most of us, and it's a little bit isolating. Like we're always looking for connection, but especially right now. And, mm -hmm. um, I was reading a book about how to like writing a memoir and just writing about experiences. And the author who's very wise said, um, like you, you should give experiences time, like years before you write about them. And I think that's really good advice too, because you said, I don't write about anything that's too raw. And eventually those may make the best stories that are worth telling, but sometimes it's good to just let them marinate for a while. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just like when I feel like when you when you've processed something and like the sort of intense emotion around it has kind of mellowed, like mm -hmm. then it's safe. But um, I don't think necessarily social media or other platforms are a great place to like invite other people into your healing. Like that's just, you know, it's probably not not the kindest thing you could do for yourself. But no, but. There's just so many examples I can think of of ways that I've seen my life or my story or my experiences reflected in someone else's that they didn't have to share. Like it maybe didn't have anything to do with what they sell or offer. And it just um, like I remember those people and those moments. And like it's aside from the fact that it like makes me feel connected to them in some way, which is good for them in terms of marketing. It also is just a good thing to do like as a person to make someone else feel better, feel a sense of belonging. Um, so I love that that is like, that's an outcome of, you know, being vulnerable in your marketing. Yes, that can be good for business, but it's also just like a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I kind of call it stories from my backpack because I kind of picture um, like women often are raised to be other centered and kind of passive and um, soft spoken. And like, that's the ideal cookie cutter, like from traditional convention, right? And that's not necessarily mm -hmm. 
uh, how it does not necessarily reflect reality. And so it's going against the grain a little bit to share stories and experiences that are really powerful. Um, But when we collect all of these lived experiences, they can be really heavy if we're carrying them on our own. So I kind of imagine, and I kind of thought of this when I was literally carrying my son in a front pack and 30 pounds of gear in a backpack. Cause when you have a premature baby, you carry so much with you. Um, walking around in, uh, the national park here because the only thing I could do when he was five months old to keep him from screaming for hours was just keep walking. And I like could not stop walking. And so I was carrying all this stuff and I kind of, in my sleep deprivated, deprived mind, it was like, Oh, there's this interesting metaphor about carrying these experiences that only a certain group of other people, in my case, women will really understand. And when you, I wished that I had more women in my life when I was younger who would open their backpacks and kind of unpack Mm -hmm. those experiences. And so I'm, I want to do that as a way of doing good because Mm -hmm. there's something really empowering about reading someone's story and saying like, you took the words out of my mouth, but there are topics that don't work. And, um, my answer to like, why, how do you figure that out is the market will tell you like it is with, um, like a product, a lot of things with marketing, like the market's going to tell you if it works or it doesn't. And like some topics that I bring up really one I can think of is eating disorders. People were not ready for that. Like I could tell by the non reaction to it It was kind of like radio silence and Mm. or whatever. My audience was just like, we're not ready to go there. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be very agile and responsive to like what the analytic analytics are telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, a process of testing. Yeah. It's not an exact science. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things that you talk about that I really love um, is the power of specificity. And I, like I said, I notice you doing this all the time. Like you describing your like motorcycling tattoos. <laughs> now husband like it just paints a picture um what talk to us about the power of like specific details that paint a picture why is that important what does it do why are you so all about that so I'm really glad you brought that up because it's always one of how to hustle like the top takeaways from that program which is wonderful and surprising to me um concreteness is really this uh, concept that we're talking about. And this is a social science concept. Really what I do in my job is take research from marketing and social science and then make it really digestible and actionable for women business owners. And concreteness is a great example of how important it is. Like the little things matter, how we present information to our audience and potential customers really matters. It's in the nuances. And the more concrete a message is, the more likely people are to remember it and buy into it. And so the opposite of concrete is abstract. And we often just speak in abstractions. Like you can kind of tell if something's concrete when it's really easy to visualize, like being really descriptive and using details and providing like a way to paint a mental picture for your audience, that makes it so much more efficient for them to understand what you're saying. We often say that um, abstraction is the luxury of the expert. Like 
the less people understand about your product and your business, the more concrete you're going to have to make it. And we can even describe this in terms of what we call the Velcro theory, which is that you're like, if you're looking at a piece of Velcro, one side has hooks and the other side has loops. And that's the more hooks and loops it has, the more sticky the Velcro is. And your brain is full of your customer's brains are full of loops. And the more concrete your message is, your Instagram caption, your product description, your website copy, the more hooks it has, the more sticky it is, the more memorable, the more influential, the more motivational. And providing really great detail, like giving people bullet points. You can even feel the difference between thinking about an abstract concept like justice versus a concrete concept, which is like the Eiffel Tower. One's really easy to picture. Mm -hmm. The other's really abstract. And one great secret of marketing is that the easier that we can make it for people, the more efficient, the more lazy we can let their brains be, the more effective our marketing usually is. And concreteness is a really great step to doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. I feel like it's, um, it's a great thing to remember, but it also is like, a useful tip for in terms of like helping you if you're sitting at a blank screen, like trying to figure out what to type, just starting to think about specific details and kind of painting the picture is a really good place to start. Um, sometimes when I'm writing a piece of marketing content, I'll just be like, okay, what am I drinking? Like I'm drinking a um, like iced lemonade with some mint in it that Kate made me like whatever, like as much specific details that you can paint a picture with. Um, it's just, it, it is both like sticky, like you said. And, um, I guess it's, it helps, it can help you get started. Absolutely. And we want to know, especially in terms of what are the outcomes that we can get from buying a product, whether this is a pair of really great stainless steel, um, or silver earrings or personal training. We want as customers to know from marketing what the outcomes and benefits are in a very concrete way. So the less abstract you can make the potential benefits for your customers that they would get from buying into your products, the better your marketing is going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, what? So I have always like when I took your program, I, just geeked out. I love marketing so much. It's like it's my background. Um, also, but like, I, I love sort of your academic take on it. Like what are the studies show works? What marketing strategies can you share that are like really working for you and your clients right now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, COVID has changed the game a little bit. One of the most important things right now is creating a good customer experience and really savvy brands are using like augmented reality, um, which sounds fancy, but it can be like a Snapchat filter that lets you like Ikea has one that lets you picture what their piece of furniture would look like in your home. Because mm -hmm. the more limited we are in the world of COVID, the more marketing has to do for us to connect us to the products that we want and need. Um, but right now, being flexible with 
mm-hmm. what our products might look like and making the e-commerce experience really easy is so important. Mm-hmm. And in How to Hustle, you know, you've heard me talk so much about fluency and fluency is just the feeling of ease and effortlessness that you hopefully give your customers when they interact with you. And 80% of customer satisfaction is accounted for by their interactions with you as a brand and not even how good they think the product or service is. So our marketing really, really matters. And part of that is how efficient, easy was it for them to get the product and use it and get feedback. Um, So thinking about like taking off your business owner hat and putting on your, if I was a customer at my own business hat, how easy, how fluent is the process of working with me? And that requires you to be maybe self-critical, open-minded, and also being open-minded and creative about how you can serve your customers. Um, One of my favorite things to do when this pandemic started was chat with business owners about like, okay, how can you make a COVID-friendly version of your product? And it's been really incredible to see some brands succeed with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the gifts of being a small business is like the ability to adapt really quickly to um, just like the world changing so dramatically so quickly. Um, And I, I do, I totally see that as a consumer, like watching my favorite brands and shops and restaurants adapt super quickly and change their systems to be safe and still like you know, enable you to take advantage of their product. Like it's really cool to see and makes me want to support them. Absolutely. Like this is what's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. And that, um, the people who are willing to be creative and think out of the box and maybe take a risk are the people who are going to survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about product-based businesses, what, advice do you have for them when it comes to marketing? I know this is a really broad question, but does anything specific come to mind when it comes to product-based businesses? That is a really great question. And it's somewhat the same answer. How can you make it really easy and convenient for your customers to get your product? Um, Like the fewer hoops they have to jump through, the better. And this may seem self-explanatory and like very obvious, but it's hard to see this sometimes from a clear point of view when you're the business owner immersed in your business 24 hours a day as we all are. Um, but also how can you, um, be super, super clear about who your product is for the benefits it provides and what makes it unique. So in how to hustle, I teach this as the value proposition. What do you do? for whom and what does it allow them to do? Like what is the great benefit or outcome and what differentiates your product from the rest? And customers have a higher and higher expectation for brands to have an online presence on social media and having a website. And when they look at your website, you really only have four seconds to tell them everything they need to know of that value proposition, what your product is, for whom it's meant and what benefits they can get from it before they'll click away. So that's just not very much time. And it requires us to be concise and very direct and straightforward. And um, I spent a lot of time talking to women business owners about their value propositions and kind of how to fill in those blanks. But if you... Can you share that um, formula that you... Like I help blank 
So just in case anyone wants to kind of try that out. Absolutely. So a value proposition, you want to fill in the blanks for your product. I or we offer blank products for blank. That's your target market, your perfect ideal customer. So they can blank and that's your benefit or your outcome. So for example, my value proposition, and this is an iterative process and it changes the more we know our target market. But I say, I offer or I teach women business owners and makers exactly what to say in their marketing so they can get booked out and sold out and stop worrying about whether they can pay their bills. So that's really clear in four seconds when people read that, they're like, oh, either I am a person who needs that or I'm not. It disqualifies people and makes it clear to my audience, like, oh, this is a person for me. So this is what makes a user experience on your website more fluent. Um, and this is what customers are looking for. They don't want to, they don't want to do the guesswork. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, let's circle back to using small business to do good in the world. We talked about, um, you know, sharing things about our lives that might make other people feel heard or understood or like they belong somewhere. Um, what else do you think of when you think of making a positive impact through your business? So I do a lot of just promotion of women-owned brands that I believe in. But um, for example, this last workshop that I did, I'm donating 100% of the proceeds to the League of Women Voters, which is a nonpartisan civil organization that just empowers women to vote, um, no matter how they vote. But also, um, I'm really focused on getting women results in their business, which means not standing in line at the checkout at the grocery store, wondering like, am I going to be able to pay for my groceries? Not having their checking account dictate what choices they can make in their life and not having to choose between being a mom or a professional. That's really important to me because when we can like you're talking about a flexibility as a business owner, that's an enormous reason why a lot of women business owners start their own brands because they don't want to have to choose either or they want to do both. And, and, um, making like a profit and being financially viable as a woman owned business allows you to do the both. And, and I'm a living example of that. It's not easy, but, um, I think a lot of the social good that I do in my why is to help women, um, be self-reliant, be their own heroes. They, when their brands succeed, they can hire more women and ultimately close the gender pay gap. If we are women hiring women and paying them a fair wage, then we're solving our own problem. So that's a lot, but um, those are all pieces of social good that I see myself doing at my own business. Mm-hmm. I think what that all just brings to mind for me is that just like being intentional, intentional about every decision and every, um, every piece of the way that our business is set up, like in almost everything you do, there's a way you could make a positive impact with it by choosing a certain, um, vendor or, um, talking about your experience a certain way. Like there's, it just takes a little bit of intention and kind of having this in your mind, like, okay, what, what good can I do through this? And you almost always can do something. So 
I love the way you've sort of baked it into every, every corner. Thank you, Lauren. I think a lot of it is like the mindset of the triple bottom line, not just the financial bottom line, but I teach this to my marketing students, but today we should be focusing on three bottom lines, the social bottom line. How can we help our communities? The environmental bottom line. How can we choose sustainable? How can we make sustainable decisions with our money and our products? And, you know, how can we make money, but also give that money back. And so usually I think in my experience, doing good means caring less about the financial bottom line and more about the other two. I want to ask you about marketing in a way that attracts ideal customers. I feel like this is something you talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. What if I, let's say I was a candle maker or yeah, let's say I make candles and I'm just kind of starting out. I know I have a really good product. I feel really good about um, you know, the quality, the materials I use, like the impact I'm having, like kind of have everything down except like, I don't have any customers. How, how do I go from that to having people who engage with me, who look forward to seeing what I produce, who buy the things I sell, et cetera. I love this question because this is like my lifeblood. Um, because I do work with so many women makers who have an incredible product, but they're like, I thought if I just made something good, then I would be making money, but it's just not that simple. And that's why people like me exist. Um, so (laughs) first is that if you're trying to sell to everybody, you're reaching nobody because the most like diluted broad ads and marketing pitches, those are the things that we just scroll right past. What we do pay attention to are Instagram captions, Facebook posts, videos, email subject lines that feel very relevant to us and like our pain points and the things that we want. So what I encourage women in How to Hustle to do is to figure out who is my ideal customer. Not just like who do I think would like my product the most, but who do I want to serve and who with whom would it be very fulfilling for me to work? Why do we care so much about like niching down to a specific type of customer? When you really nail being able to market to that specific customer, you can broaden a little bit. But this is a lot about concreteness. Like the more concretely and intimately we understand a specific type of customer, the more we can market to that customer by really personalizing our messages and speaking to their desires and their aggravations and their fears, not in an exploitative way, but like a way that is meaningful and helpful. So for example, if you're a candle maker, what is it about um, giving people a good candle that makes you feel good? Like what is, what part of it is meaningful and how is your product different from the rest? Like what is the competitive advantage? What is the distinction of your candle? Is it that it's soy and it's not um, like putting chemicals into the air in your home? Then maybe you're the type of person who really likes to work with um, environmentally conscious mothers who also buy products that are like um, no SLS laundry detergent. Uh, And once you kind of understand who my perfect customer is, and for most small businesses, I ask, who is your current customer that you just like wish you could replicate a hundred or a thousand times? And then start writing things down about that person. A great exercise is writing down a day in the life of your perfect customer and pretend like if they aren't actually a real person, pretend like they are like, 
How do they take their coffee? Where do the eyeballs go when they like are going to bed before bed? What apps are they looking in like looking at on their phones? Um, what things drive them nuts? What are their pet peeves? Then you can understand, um, you can kind of start to do what I was talking about earlier, which is figuring out what's a common ground between my experiences and what I care about and what is relevant for my target market. I was just talking to um, a couple clients who are doing, have a wellness center and they offer a um, series of like therapies for, they didn't know who their target market is. They thought a woman who likes feeling good. That is a very, very general, <laughs> broad um, target market. Like I've heard women who work in skincare before say that their perfect customer is anyone with skin. Like it literally does not get more general than that. And so I'm constantly <laughs> challenging my clients to get more specific, more specific, more specific. The more specific you are about a person, the more concrete they become and the easier you can speak to them. So throughout one consultation with these clients, um, we discovered that they wished they could replicate one of their real clients a thousand times. Her name was Linda. And by the end of the conversation, we had figured out they were trying to market to like women who wanted to do anti-aging, but really what their customers wanted was help with chronic pain. Like Linda didn't want to go from looking 70 to 50. She just had endometriosis and a fake and a like a knee surgery. And she wanted to go and use the spa and the salt bath because it helped her like rake her leaves and see her grandchildren. So going from mm. just like a very general target market, like you can make all these assumptions about what your customers need. But once you actually have a, an avatar or a buyer persona or a perfect customer, those are all the same thing. They become more concrete. You understand them better. You know what they want, what they need. And then you can serve them with your product. So if I were this candle maker, I would like the value proposition might be, I make all natural soy candles for eco-conscious moms who can have their house smell good and feel good without worrying about um, chemicals in your home. Because, and that makes it super clear what you offer and why it's important. That was a really long-winded explanation, Lauren. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. So I, I know there's going to be some listeners who hear that advice to get really, really specific and talk so directly to one person and feel like, what about everyone else who's reading what I'm writing, who, um, you know, the the things they scroll before they go to bed aren't the same or they don't take their coffee that way. Like, what... I guess, what do you have to say about people who are concerned about, I don't want to use the word alienating, but like getting so specific that they're only, they literally are only talking to one person. Yeah, for sure. That totally makes sense. And it's such a common fear for women business owners that like, we are so afraid to potentially lose a sale or a customer. And so this is something that I hear from most clients that I work with actually. So my answer to that is, and um, I can use one of the actual how to how to hustle participants as an example. At first, she was super hesitant to um, get specific with her marketing, and she owns a hair salon, and she is um, only organic, and she was one of the only organic hair salons. But she was so worried to stop marketing to men and people who got perms and didn't care about organic hair products because she was like, I can't lose any sales. But once she decided I'm going to be brave. I'm going to start being specific in my marketing 
now she's constantly booked out with people who only fit her perfect customer profile. And she calls them unicorns. And she said, all I get are unicorns. Um, so once you start to disqualify people who don't fit your perfect customer um, profile, it's like they unfollow you on Instagram and it's like, okay, well, I didn't want to necessarily work with you anyway. They're making room for and allowing you to communicate with the people who do fit that customer profile. And the great thing is that if people like your product, even if they don't fit your customer profile, they're going to keep buying them. Like I still have, I used to work almost exclusively with men and, um, there's a handful, actually more than a handful who read my newsletter religiously every week, even though I talk about like periods and boobs and like women's stuff, because mm-hmm. they, that doesn't, for whatever reason, they still like it. Um, people aren't going to stop buying it if they like your product just because you're marketing to someone else. Yeah, I, that's totally my experience is that the more specific I can get, the more often I get the kind of messages that are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly for me. But it doesn't mean I don't get sales from people who maybe aren't like, aren't the person I had in mind, but like still, I'm obviously so grateful for their support and glad that they like what I create. Um, it doesn't mean that someone who reads a newsletter and doesn't take their coffee with milk is if you describe them taking it with milk, it doesn't mean that they're going to be like, so put off by that, that they just stop reading. Like it's just, it's a way to get closer to the people that you most want to speak to and like really create a strong bond with them. But it doesn't necessarily take things off the table for anyone else. No. And I totally know that it feels like pigeonholing yourself um, when you're standing on the edge of getting specific because I've been there and I coach people through it every week. Um, But the experience of the women who take my How to Hustle program, for example, they always say this is the scariest step, but it's the one that makes your business grow the fastest. And so it's the most worth it um, because you don't want to be for everybody. You want to be for a specific type of person. You want to be the person to go to for a specific type of customer. Because when you are the big fish in that small pond, then you're making it. And when you become exclusive, that's when we, when you become more valuable. And that's often the biggest lesson that women learn in how to hustle and when they work with me. Because when you'll just work with anyone, you really diminish your value and you dilute your message. Mm-hmm. This has been amazing. Is there anything else you want to say when, about marketing, about your philosophy, about you know the power of being yourself when it comes to marketing? Yeah, no, I think like I found a lot of power and personal liberation in being a vulnerable storytelling, not just because it's great for my business, but personally, um, like there's some kind of beautiful liberating power in deciding like this mold that I've always felt I was supposed to fit in just isn't for me. Um, and like, I've always really admired when I step back and look at my life, I realize that the women I've always looked up to, they might have been called like the too much woman. She loves too hard. She feels too much. She asks too many questions. She takes up too much space. Her presence is too much, but, um, like really what I was meant to do was be like a rabble rouser and to be that too much woman and like be authentic about it. And not only has that been liberating in my business, but it has been incredibly meaningful in my life. And there's nothing more valuable than um, 
getting messages from women who are like, thank you for telling that story because I lived it too. And I just haven't found the words yet. Um, so if you're out there listening to this podcast and you've ever felt like someone told you to simmer down or take it down a few notches, but that didn't feel right, then it's probably not right. Yeah. And like, it, it just on a personal level, just feels really good to be able to be totally yourself in your life and, in the way that you run your business, the way that you talk about your business, like it's just, it's very freeing to not have to like maintain anything other than just presenting what you are. Yeah. I think like, you know, I'm a, a professor at a university and when they, um, the chair asked me to start teaching there, I was like, me, I'm not very appropriate, but then he knew <laughs> he was like, you don't mince words. And he knew that about me. He'd had me on his podcast before. So he like knew what he was getting. Um, but in some senses, like I'm not going to be teaching anymore after this semester because for one reason, um, COVID, but second is that they're in my business. Like, I don't want there to be a personal mic and a professional mic. Like they're one in the same. And when you're a business mm-hmm. owner, that's important and beautiful and necessary. So, and I love that you do that too, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Try. It can be hard, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just think about how much it means to me when I am on the other end of it. So, um, so we've talked about money marketing, good topics about how you do good with your business. Um, can you just, I've taken your how to hustle program. Can you just share a little bit about it for people listening and anything else about like what's next on your plate? Yeah. So I am not teaching anymore because I want to be able to have more time with Wilder who's in here playing with my equipment right now. Um, and <laughs> also to focus on how to hustle. My husband was like, you're so much happier when you're just focusing on that. Cause it is really what gives me joy. It is my favorite program. It's the only live program for, um, a marketing guide for women business owners that is live has one-on-one feedback and has a money back guarantee because, um, I don't want any women business owners to think I really need help, but I don't want it to feel like a risk. So, um, the money back guarantee is there as a safe guard. It's definitely, I've never had anyone use it, but how to hustle is a 10 week program. We meet once a week on zoom and I teach every step of the customer journey to take people from never having heard of your brand, to having that first impression of your product to exactly what to say to get them to be loyal customers who come back and buy from you out of habit so that you have a consistent, stable income that helps you grow. And you don't have to worry about taking paying your bills. The reason I love how to hustle is because one of the gals who took it said, it feels like having lunch with a group of friends. And there's only 10 women in the session at a time. And they're all from different industries and different places around the country. Um, And it becomes a support group in some ways, which is what we need. And there's intimacy in it. And you leave really, hopefully having no uncertainty about what you should be saying as a brand to find your perfect customers. Yeah. Yes. And I attest it is awesome. I went through the program. Um, I just wanted like a really deep dive on Good Sheila Wholesale. When COVID hit, I had like, obviously had a bit of a hit to my business just because most retail shops 
were not buying. So I kind of had some time to think about, you know, like stepping it up. And um, I came across Micah and I I just loved it. It was awesome, really unique. So if anyone's interested in taking it, feel free to message me about it. Like I'm not an affiliate. I just, I just really enjoyed the program. So, um, yeah, look into my, for sure connect with Mike. I'm sure she'll share her details, but just co-signing that that's pretty awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Let's shift to the wrap up questions. Um, the first one is, can you share one business that you admire? Yes. I, I'm a fangirl of my friend Mallory Atteriano, and she owns Kind Apparel Co. here in based out of Missoula, Montana. And she's also an incredible, um, vulnerable storyteller, especially right now. Um, she's had so many disrup- disruptions to her supply chain. She creates one of a kind um, adventure wearables for women um, outdoor gear, and. Um, she really focuses on doing social good and giving back 1% to the environment. And she was bound and determined to be made in the U S and she tells a lot of stories on her Instagram feed about what that's been like and the challenges of being an ethically sustainably created product. And she makes all of her clothes out of, or her leggings out of recycled plastic water bottles. And so like, she talks a lot about how it would be so much easier and cheaper to do things like made in China fabric you know, regular old fabric, but, um, why she chooses to do things the hard way. So mm-hmm. big fan, kind apparel. Cool. Love. Um, what is one, or if you have more than one book that you would recommend? That is a great question. Um, I love reading memoirs and one of my favorites I've read recently is, um, my life on the road by Gloria Steinem. And she's just like, she deserves a lot of the um, praise that she gets because she's an incredible writer and foremost, a journalist. And she's very like um, non-assuming and her, Mm -hmm. like she was sitting at the table with Shirley Chisholm and um, woman, man killer. And so many of the women who helped us get the rights that we have today as women. And I just find her absolutely fascinating and inspiring, but also Another one that's been a life-changing, perspective-changing book for me is Braiding Sweetgrass by Dr. Robin Wolkhammer. She's... Yeah. Have you read it? I'm like halfway through it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. I think everyone should read that book. Um, I live on Salish Kootenai land, so um, I am always trying to be more engaged with Native values. And like, as you know, Lauren, that book is a lot about how traditional ways of knowing can like meld with science and mm-hmm. like, Oh, she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Braiding. So good. Such a great recommendation. Okay. I will link, um, kind of Harold and both of these books in the show notes. Um, last question is where can people connect with you? Where can they find you online? Where's the best place to get in your orbit? So definitely connect with me on Instagram. That's at Micah Larson, M-I-C-A-H-L-A-R-S-E-N underscore. Uh, but my website is MicahLarson.com. And my blog is where a lot of people end up going. That's where I do all the storytelling, but you'll see a lot of that on my Instagram too. Instagram is where I'm alive most of the day. So <laughs> Perfect. 
Micah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am super excited about all of this, like real authentic storytelling, marketing goodness. And I feel like everyone's going to love this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. Mm-hmm. I told you this episode was good. I am already plotting Micah's return to the podcast. But until then, you can find links and resources from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 36. I know Micah and I would both love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find Micah at MicahLarson underscore. That's M-I-C-A-H-L-A-R-S-E-N underscore. And me at Making Good Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how to talk to your audience, I highly recommend her program, How to Hustle. Connect with her on Instagram or her website to learn more. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.